But I praise God that he's here and he has a word for us this evening. For those of you who may not have been with us over the last several, several weeks, we've been going through the parables of Jesus Christ and stories that have changed the world. I pray that over the last several weeks as we've gone through these, that these stories have changed your life and maybe given you the ability to change the lives of those in your life as well so that the Father would be glorified. Tonight I want to talk to you, before we go to the, word, uh, go to the Lord in prayer, I want to talk to you about the prodigal son. It's the longest parable in the scripture, so there's no way I'm going to get it done tonight. Probably take two or three weeks to do it. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And before we read it, let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. I ask that he anoint me and anoint you, because I can't do this on my own. You can't receive it on your own. Amen. So, Father, we thank you again that you are in the house. We thank you, Father God, for the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And I stand here, Father God, confessing my need for you. Father, I need your anointing. I need your strength. I need your wisdom, your insight, your truth, your revelation, God, to be known to me and sown into the soil of my soul so that I can speak it to the lives of your people. God, tonight I pray that you would come against every distraction, every hindering spirit, every trial or tribulation that we might have gone through this week that the devil would try to use to distract us and keep us from receiving your word. But I pray, Father God, that we, you would open up our ears to hear, our hearts to listen, and Father God, our spirits to receive the word of truth tonight. Bless your people and be glorified in our presence tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 15. Verses 11 through 32. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And he says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and while living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with even the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have gone and given even, yet you have never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. How many of you are grateful for this thing called grace? Amen. How many of you are grateful for a father who loves us despite of all of our faults, despite all of our failures? And whenever we are willing to come back home, he's always ready and willing to receive us. Amen. 
There's a whole lot of things that I want to cover in this parable. Uh, there's no way, like I said, I'm going to cover it in one week, so I'm going to take two, at least maybe three weeks to cover it. But the first thing that I want to look at this evening is what Jesus reveals concerning this younger son's attitude and the condition of his heart. And the fact that this revelation is based upon nothing more than a few words that this prodigal son or this younger son speaks at the beginning of this parable. Because how many of you know it doesn't take a lot of words for someone to figure out who we are? It doesn't take a lot of words for someone to figure out what's dwelling inside of us. It doesn't take a lot of words, church, for someone even to tell maybe where we're from. If you hear someone saying, I'm fixing to do this or I'm fixing to do that, they're probably from the south. If you hear someone refer to their group of friends as you guys, they're probably from up north. You can tell if someone's from Boston by the way they speak or from Jersey by the way they speak. If they say certain things, you can tell where they're from. If they say A, they're probably from Canada or from Minnesota. But it doesn't take a lot of words for us to tell where someone is from, whether they're from within the country or from without of the country. You don't have to speak a lot of words for someone to figure out whether or not you're educated or not educated at all. It doesn't take a lot of words for us to determine if someone is well read or if they've never read a book in their entire life. Because our words give us away, church. They say more than what the words themselves say about who we are and what we're made up of. The reality is, church, that uh, by the words that we speak, you can tell if someone's shy or if they're extremely outgoing. By the words of our own mouths, others can tell what interests we might have. They can tell, church, uh, what level of patience we might have or whether we have no patience at all. Others can tell by the words that we speak what character we are made of whether we're individuals of faith or whether we're individuals of fear. They can also tell what lies at the center of our soul. Because Jesus in Matthew 12, verse 34 says, From the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. From that which fills your soul, your mouth will overflow. If you're filled with pride, it will overflow. If you're filled with the Lord, it will overflow. If you're filled with joy, it will overflow. If you're filled with fear, it will overflow by the words that you speak. So the reality is our words can give us away, church. Our words can tell the world who we are and what we have dwelling inside of our soul. And from the abundance of this young man's heart, his mouth speaks in the beginning of this parable, and he says, give me my share of the estate. He goes to his father and he says, Father, give me what's mine. And the very first thing we discover about this younger son or this young man is what lie at the center of his soul, and it was nothing more than himself. The very thing that lay at the center of this young man's soul, the second son's soul, was me, myself, and I. And he makes it very clear by the words that he speaks. Father, give me my share of the inheritance. And he was saying, give it to me right now. You see, in order for you to understand what this young son was really saying, we have to look at what wasn't said. And that was the fact that he didn't come to his father with a spirit of humility. He didn't come to his father and say, Father, if it be pleasing to you, may I now share in my inheritance. He didn't come to his father in a spirit of humility and say, I know it might be before the time, Father, but I'm wondering if you can share with me a portion of my inheritance. That was what was customary. That's what was correct. But this young son rather shows up in a spirit of pride and demands his share and he demands it right now. Father, give me my share of the inheritance. What you and I need to understand is that when he went to his father, he didn't lean on his father's wisdom or word concerning such wealth. He didn't care what his father had to say to him concerning how he should handle the wealth or how he could multiply the wealth or how he could prosper in that wealth or how he could succeed with that wealth. We find from this young son was all he wanted was his money and he wanted it with no strings attached. 
You see what this young son was saying, and you might not understand this, but if you study it, this is what the young son was saying. I want my money, father, but I don't want your advice. I want my money, Father, but I don't want any strings attached. I want my money and I want my wealth, but I don't want your wisdom and I don't want your counsel. I don't want you to preach at me when you give me the money and when you give me what is mine. I want my wealth, but I don't want your wisdom. This is exactly what he was saying. Father, give me what's mine and keep your two cents. This is exactly what this young man was saying. The younger son wasn't like Solomon who sought wisdom and he found wealth along the way and unnatural wealth, supernatural wealth. You see, the problem with this young son was that he sought wealth without wisdom and he suffered tremendously because of it. And we'll discover that as we go along in the next couple of weeks, because money in the hand of a fool church never prospers money in the hand of an unfaithful steward. Like we talked about weeks ago, never prospers. It never brings a profit to the kingdom. It never benefits the father. And this is where this younger son was. His words gave him away. His words revealed what was going on in the the center of his soul. And instead of saying, Father, could you try me with a little bit of wealth and see if I'm worthy of more? Can you give me a little portion of my inheritance now and teach me how to be a faithful steward? Teach me how to multiply it. Teach me how to handle it. Teach me, Father. He didn't want that. He said, Father, give me what's mine so I can do with it as I please. And the reality is, church, this is the greatest folly of man. It's to have their pleasure and to have it right now. How many of you know that's the society that we're living in? It's the world that we're living in. Give me what I want and give it to me right now. Everything is instant. We need to have it right now. We're not accustomed to wait. We don't understand what it means to uh, when the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord, they are the ones that shall mount up with wings like eagles. Those that wait are the ones that shall run and not grow weary. They're the ones that shall walk and not faint. And What you'll find out about this young son was that he fainted. What you'll find out about this young son was that he didn't mount up with wings as eagles. Somewhere along in this parable, you find out that he begins playing with pigs instead of mounting up with eagles. And this is what you and I need to realize until we learn how to wait for what God has for us. We're going to find ourselves playing with pigs. We're going to find ourselves in the pit of poverty instead of in the palace of prosperity. This is where this young son lived. His father was a prosperous man, but he wasn't satisfied like the unfaithful steward with his place in his palace. He wanted to be his own boss. He wanted his money. He wanted to be in charge, and he wanted to be in charge right now. God, give me patience and give it to me right now. You know that saying. How often do we treat God that way? So often... You know, for a farmer to be successful, when he plants a seed, he has to plant it and leave it. He has to give it time to cultivate. He has to have faith and trust that the maker of the universe is going to cause that seed to grow. We've got to be the same way. This, un- this, this young son didn't want to wait. It was the greatest folly of man is to live for now without any thought for the future without any thought for the consequences of his actions or without any thought for the the results of his rebellion. And how often we, even as God's people, church, we make choices and we make decisions and we make demands without any thought of what the consequences might be, without any thought of what the results might be. If God gives it to me before I'm ready for it, if God, if God responds to my demands before I'm prepared for it, we can end up in the same exact place that this young son finds himself later in the parable. How often we wander down that road which seems right to so many, only to find ourselves in a place of desperation, only to find ourselves in a place of destruction, church, because we fail to yield to wisdom Instead of to wealth, the only thing this young son was concerned about was material gain. It's the only thing that he wanted. 
He wanted to come out from someone else's authority. He wanted to come out from his father's government. He wanted to come out from his father's words and live his own life. And so often we do the same exact thing with our father that's in heaven. We want all of his blessings, but we don't want any of his words. We want all of his blessings, but we don't want any of his revelation. We want all of his goodness, but we don't want any of his instruction. We want to do what's right in our own eyes. And we wonder why we end up in the pig pen. We wonder why we end up in a place of need. We wonder why no one's around to help us like this young man discovers later in his life. It's because he walked away from the father. Because he walked in his own ways instead of the ways of the Lord. Because he sought wealth instead of wisdom. You see, the first thing that we need to seek, church, before wealth is wisdom. Because you can have a million dollars and without wisdom on how to handle it, wisdom on how to sow it, wisdom on how to be a steward with it, it's all going to turn to nothing. It's all going to turn to rot. It's all going to spoil, just like it did with this young son. It's the greatest folly of man, and it's exactly what this man did. He failed to submit his way to the Father. In this process, church, he leaned on his own understanding. He failed to acknowledge his Father with his future. Give me my money, give me my wealth, and give it now. And everything else you want to sow along with it, you can keep. Just give me my money and give it to me right now. And we find that he suffered because of it. Why do you think Proverbs 3, 6 tells us that we are to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways? It's so that he might direct our paths. He tells us that we are to acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that He can make our way straight, so that He can make our way prosperous, so that He can make our way blessed, so that He can make our way straight, the Bible says. We are to acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that He might direct our paths instead of us directing our paths. It's the fool that directs his own path. You and I as servants of the Most High God and sons and daughters of the Most High God, the number one individual that we need to turn to for wisdom and direction is our Father, which is in heaven. He's the one that needs to direct our paths, church. He's the one that we need to rely on. You see, the Word of God tells us, I believe with all of my heart, that we are to acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that we will not find ourselves in a place of want. Just like this young man found himself later in the, word of, in the Word of God and in this parable. I believe even if you look at Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. If you read that at the same time as you're, you're looking at the Scripture that says we're to acknowledge Him in all of our ways, I think you can even get a better understanding because we are to acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that He can cause us to lie down in green pastures. We're to acknowledge Him in all of our ways, church, so that He can lead us beside still waters when the world is wage, raging around us. That's why we are to acknowledge Him in all of our ways, because He knows where the green pastures are. He knows where the still waters are. And when we acknowledge Him in the midst of our storm, He will lead us to that green pasture. He will lead us to those still waters where we can find refreshing for our soul. He tells us to acknowledge us in, in all of our ways so that that He can restore our souls in those still waters. So that He can lead us on the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, the Bible says. You see, when you fail to acknowledge God in all of your ways, you're not going to walk on the path of righteousness. When you fail to acknowledge God in all of your ways, you're going to walk on the way of the unrighteous and not on the path of the righteous. That's why we too are to acknowledge God in all of our ways, church. So that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil. Because we know that in that way, because we've acknowledged Him, He's with us. Because when we walk on that road that we've acknowledged the Lord, His rod and His staff will comfort us and care for us. And when you fail to acknowledge the Lord in your life, and you fail to acknowledge Him on the path that you walk on, you're going to find yourself without that rod, and you're going to find yourself without that staff. You're going to find yourself wandering in darkness. But when you acknowledge Him in all of your ways, He walks with you, church, even to the valley of the shadow of death. We're to acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that He might prepare a table before us, even in the presence of His enemies. We're to acknowledge Him in all of our ways so that He might anoint our head with oil and cause our cup to overflow. 
This is why we are to acknowledge him. You see, these things aren't available to those that turn their back on him. These things are not available to those who walk away from the Father until they come back to the Father, which we'll find out later. But this is why he asks us and encourages us to acknowledge him in all of our ways, in every area of our life, church, so that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and so that we might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you want to dwell in the presence of the Lord If you want want to walk in the way of the king, you've got to acknowledge him each and every day. I know I've said this so many times before, but each and every day that you and I wake up, we need to acknowledge God as our Lord. We need to acknowledge God as our Savior. We need to acknowledge God as our Father. We need to acknowledge his authority and his government, his rule and his reign in our lives. We need to acknowledge it and say, okay, God, I want your rule, your government, your will, your ways to be part of my life. Every area of our life, and we can't leave anything out. But this son, church, he wanted to walk in his own way. He decided to walk the crooked way. He wanted to do as he pleased. He wanted to do what was right in his own eyes instead of in the eyes of the Father. And he suffered tremendously because of it, the Bible says. And so will we when we fail to include the Father in our future. And I hope you get that with this young man. He did not include his father in his future. He decided, I'm going to go live my life all on my own, in my own wisdom, my own strength, my own knowledge, and I'm going to leave my father out. The worst thing you could ever do is to leave the father out of your future. The worst thing you could ever do is to leave the Father out of the decisions that you make concerning your future. The last thing that you could do, church, is to to fail to include the Father in the job interview that you have to go to or the job that you think you're going to take or the, or, or the individual that you decide you're going to date or the mate that you think you're going to marry, church, or the school or the college you think you're going to go to or the choices that you make in life. Because when you fail to include the Father in those future events in your life, you're going to find yourself just in the same exact place as this prodigal son did, separated from God, separated from blessing, in a place of want, in a place of need. And we're going to look at that as we go along. But we need to make sure, church, that we include the Father in our future. So why did this young man want the wealth in his own hands anyway? Was it so that he might go to college? Was it so that he might learn a trade? Was it so that he could trade with it, maybe invest with it, maybe barter with it? Was it so that he could use it to build a business or to build up his future? No. It was simply so he could live wildly. It was simply so he could use it to sow his wild oats. The only reason that he wanted that money, church, it was for temporary pleasure and for the immediate gratification of his flesh. This is all that he wanted the money for. So he could go live it up. So he could go party. So he could go do whatever it is that he wanted to do. You see, the problem with this young son is that he wanted to live like dad without having to work for it. He wanted to start at the top of the ladder without having to climb it. He wanted to be a big shot when he was acting like nothing more than a little pipsqueak. The reality is he was jealous and he was envious. He was greedy. He was filled with pride. And like I said earlier, he wasn't willing to wait. He was tired of living under his brother's shadow, his older brother's shadow. He wasn't content with his place in the palace, I said. And he wanted to share and he wanted it right now. And the truth is, church, he got what he wanted. He got what he wanted. And the reality is, sometimes God gives you exactly what you want. So you find out what you need. Sometimes he gives you exactly what you want, church, even when it's not what he wants for you. But he knows you've got to learn a lesson. He knows you've got to come to an understanding. He knows something has to happen in the soil of your own soul. So sometimes he gives us exactly what we want just so we discover that we don't even need it. You see, the reality is when you got God, you don't need anything else. When you're walking with the Father, all those other things you think are so important in life become nothing. He's telling you that all these things that this world and the society places so much value on, I'll give it to you. I'll let you have it. 
I'll let you wander in it. I'll let you enjoy it for a season. But I promise you, child, somewhere along the way, you're going to discover that it's worth nothing. That you never even needed it. Look in Hollywood, church. I know there's some Christians in Hollywood, but this is what God does with his own creation. He lets them wander in the air of their own ways so that somewhere in their life they might make their way back home. Look at Hollywood. Look at how many people are millionaires and they're not happy. They're, they're millionaires and they're still empty. They're millionaires and they're still lacking something in their life. God will give you what you want just so you can discover you never needed it in the first place. So that your priorities will fall into line and fall into place. If the father would have never given the son this portion of his inheritance, he would have never learned this lesson. He would have never learned the value of the dollar. He would have never learned the value of his place in the palace. He would have never learned the love of his father. If his father wouldn't have given him his inheritance when he asked for it and this is the way god is with us sometimes church he'll give us what we want so we discover that we never need it and then if you look carefully at this parable and study it like i did you're going to find that for a short period of time the youngest son was still at home even after he was given his piece of the pie he was still living with daddy he was still living at home he was still enjoying all the other things even after he received his portion of the inheritance but the son soon discovered, as you read through this, that the father still had rules. The son soon discovered that the father still had expectations concerning both of his sons. The son had his money, but there were still fields to plow and there were still vineyards to keep. The son had his money, but there were still rules to live by and there were still duties to fulfill. The, there, the, the son had money burning holes in his pocket. But there were still books to read and subjects to learn. There was still a government church and an authority that he had to be subject to at home. But he wanted to live for himself instead. He wanted to be his own boss, we discover as we go through. So the Bible says, instead of submitting himself to the government of the Father, instead of submitting himself to the will of the Father and the wisdom of the Father, he yielded himself and he gave himself to loose living to the lust of the eyes and to the lust of the flesh and to the pride of life itself. The young man thought, who better than myself to be boss? The young man thought to himself, who better to control my life than me, myself, and I? Who better to be in charge of my future than me and myself and I? And the reality is he wrote off his father and he wandered into the future all alone. He wandered into tomorrow without his father's blessing, without his father's wisdom, without his father's knowledge, without any preparation. He wandered off. And the reality is, here's what I wanted you to, it just came to me. Whatever time of day this was, I don't know many people that pack up and, and you know, unless they owe people a lot of money, you know, they don't pack up in the night and kind of skip town. You know, this young man was headed off, and I'm sure he did it early in the morning. I'm sure he did it when the, the sun was shining, packed up and moved out. We'll find out as we go along. And, and the more that I thought about that, I thought, you know what? It might have been the middle of the day, and the sun might have been shining bright, but this young man that chose to walk off into the darkness... This young man chose with the choices that he made and the decisions that he made, he was wandering off into the darkness. Didn't matter what time of day it was, this is what happens in our life, church. When we decide to walk in our own ways, we walk in darkness. When we decide to walk according to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, we walk in darkness. We walk without direction. We walk without vision. We walk without clarity. We walk without understanding. Because we're limited in our understanding. We can't see around the corner. We can't see over the hills. We can't see the things that the Father sees. And this young man in the middle of the day walked out into the darkness, left his father behind, left his authority behind, left his government behind, and he walked away. He was just like the generation today, I believe, who thinks everyone owes them something. My parents owe me something, so give it. My boss owes me something, so give it. My country owes me something, so give it. I don't want to have to work for it. I don't want to have to sacrifice for it. 
I don't care who has to pay the price for my sake. Just give me my inheritance and give it to me now. You see, this is where this individual was at. This is where this young son was at. This was the condition of his soul. The son reflected the mentality, I believe, of today's generation and today's society that says, I don't want to work for it. I don't want to earn it. I don't want to serve for it. I don't want to sacrifice for it. I don't want to have to get up early for it. I don't want to have to work a little late for it. Just give me, give me, give me. Give me my inheritance and give it to me right now. You see, this young son... Just like so many of God's people and so many of God's creation, they don't want to learn how to be faithful. They don't want to learn how to be trustworthy. They don't want to learn how to handle the finances and the blessings that God brings into their life. They just want it. They just want it, and they want it right now. Give it to me with no strings attached is what this son was saying. And how often do we act the same way? I talked about it earlier. The saddest part, I think, about this This parable or this portion of the parable is that this son didn't realize that the strings that the father might have tried to attach were strings of mercy and they were strings of grace. You see, the father knew that if I don't give my son wisdom, if I don't give him, if I don't give him instruction, if I don't give him uh, positive things along with the money, he's going to find himself exactly where he did. And we have to realize, church, that that God The strings that we think God has, they're strings to keep us safe. They're strings to keep us on the path of righteousness. They are strings to keep us up when we grow weary. And they're strings to keep us up when we grow weak. And this is what the son failed to realize. That all the strings that that he thought the father wanted just to control him. It was simply to keep him in the Father's will. It was simply to keep him safe. It was simply to keep him blessed and keep him prosperous. But what did the young son do? He cut every one of those strings and he wandered out on his own. And before you know it, he fell. He fell into need and he fell into poverty. And this is what God wants us to be aware of, church. This son was the ultimate unfaithful steward who wanted to live for no one but himself. So we find, church, in verse 13, it says, So after a short period of time... After he had enough of all the rules and after he had enough of all the regulations, the Bible says he packed up and he he moved out. He went off to a distant land. And here's what I want you to see. He wandered off to a place where he thought no one could watch him. He wandered off to a place where the church folk couldn't see him. He wandered off to a place where the pastor couldn't call on him or an elder couldn't come knocking on his door. He wandered off to a place where he thought no one could preach at him. He wandered off to a place where he wouldn't have to worry about someone seeing him with a hooker or someone seeing him at a bar. Wandered off to a place where he wouldn't have to worry about what he wore, what he said, or where he went. This is where he wandered off to. And we do the same exact thing with God, church. He went off to a distant land so he could live according to his own rules, so he could live according to his own regulations. So that he could walk in his own ways and do what was right in his own eyes. Instead of what he knew, what was right in the eyes of his father. You see, this young son thought, well, you know, as long as I'm away from my father, then the rules don't apply. As long as I'm away from my father, then the rules don't have any authority in my life. But how untrue that is. I don't care how far away you get from God. His government still has rule. His government still has reign. His authority can still reach down into the depths of your life and do whatever it wants to do. You see, he went off to a distant land where he thought the father's rule wouldn't apply, where he wouldn't have to be under his father's thumb, where the father's eyes wouldn't be upon him. But the reality is it doesn't matter how far off we go, church, God still sees It doesn't matter, church, how dark the room is or what town we trot off to 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 toy around with sin. God still sees. It doesn't matter how many drapes we drop. It doesn't matter how many doors we close. It doesn't matter how many lights we turn off. God still sees. It doesn't matter how many state lines you cross. God still sees. It doesn't matter how many different hotels you you find yourself in. God still sees. It doesn't matter how many cars you jump from one to another thinking you're going to get away and ain't nobody going to see me. I want you to understand tonight that God is Elro why? He is the God that sees in darkness. He sees every deed. He sees every action. And he hears every word. Before it even crosses over our lips, our Father knows exactly what we're doing. But for some reason, 
This wise and brilliant young son thought if he could just get away from the father, I can get away from his rule and I can get away from his authority. I can get away from, from his voice. I promise you the whole time he was gone, God never let him enjoy a moment to himself. And I think that's the way it is with the world sometimes, church. They have to bury themselves deeper and deeper and deeper just to get away from the voice of God. They'll go deeper and deeper and deeper thinking that finally God will shut up. Finally, I won't hear God's voice. Finally, I won't hear God's nudge or feel God touch. But the reality is, I don't care how far away you go, God's always going to be there. The Spirit's still going to speak to you. The, the Spirit's still going to nudge you. And He'll do it until the time the trumpet sounds, church. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your travels. Don't waste your wealth. Stop closing the doors. Stop turning off the lights. Stop trotting into other towns thinking you're going to get away from the government of God. It's not going to happen. And I'm not saying any of you are doing that. I'm just saying if the devil ever tempts you, don't do it. Because God sees everything, church. Understand no matter how far away we go, God's still there. Jonah found that out the hard way. You know the story as well as I do. No matter how far away Jonah went, the government of God still had authority in his life. He wouldn't let him alone. He had to kick up a wind. had to kick up some waves. He had to remind Jonah the whole time he was walking in rebellion. Jonah, I'm watching you. Jonah, I'm right behind you. Jonah, I'm right here. I see everything that you're doing. I don't care what you do. Here I am, Jonah. Couldn't get away. No matter how far he tried to go, listen, God's authority and God's hand was still upon him. Just like the prodigal son, Jonah, the Bible says, went off to a distant land, it says, thinking that the authority of God wouldn't follow after him. Thinking the authority of God wouldn't follow and the authority of God wouldn't apply. For some strange reason, we think that. Well, if I can just get that far, all of a sudden God's authority will stop right here. It only goes this far. He'll, he'll, he'll stop following me to this point. Well, that's not true. It's not the way God works. It was the same authority that reeled Jonah back in. The same authority that followed him. The same authority that kicked up the winds and kicked up the waves. The same authority that tossed the boat to and fro. The same authority that caused Jonah to say, throw me into the sea. The same authority that spoke to the whale and said, swallow him whole. was the same authority that reeled him back in. Brought him back into the will of God. We find later in this parable he did the same thing with the son. But how ridiculous we sometimes are, church, when we, just like Jonah, we go down to the seaport city of Joppa. We buy ourselves a ticket to Tarshish, and we think God's authority won't follow us. We think God's rule won't apply. We think that the presence of the Lord will be left behind at Joppa. If I could just get on that boat, if I could just buy that ticket, if I could just make my way down to the bottom of the ship, maybe God will stay on the docks. Maybe God won't follow me, but it's not true how ridiculous we are sometimes. That just like Jonah, we make our way down to the bottom of the ship. We turn out the lights, we start tinkering with sin, and we, for some reason, we think the one that formed us in complete darkness, we think the one that reached down and weaved us and, and, and formed us while we were in our mother's womb won't see us in the dark. This is the foolish mentality of the flesh. The one who formed you in complete darkness certainly can see you in darkness. He can see everything we do, church. And this is what Jonah found out the hard way. God can still see. Saw him all the way to the bottom of the sea, even while he was in the belly of a fish. And this is what the prodigal son did. He did the very same thing in Luke 15, 13. He went off to a distant land and he squandered his wealth on loose living, the Bible says. He wasted it. He scattered it is the interpretation. When it means, when it says he squandered his wealth... It means he scattered it. He scattered his wealth without thought, and he scattered his wealth without wisdom. This is exactly what it means when he squandered it. So this is what I want you to understand, church. This young man scattered his father's blessings without even a second thought. 
He never thought twice about anything that he did. He never thought how hard his father had to work. Never thought about the sacrifice he had to make. Never never thought about the sweat. Never thought about the pain. Never thought whatever sacrifices his father had to make for me to enjoy this seed, for me to enjoy this wealth. And he scattered it without any second thought. And again, how often we do the same thing with God. We scatter his blessings we, we, we throw them away without any second thought as to what it cost him for us to gain them. So often we do exactly that, church. We scatter the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We scatter the sacrifice of the Father. We just waste the things that God has given us, his blessings, and we scatter them. We sow them unto ourselves, just like this individual did. Here's what you need to understand. This young son scattered the seed of possibility. He scattered the seed of potential. And where did he scatter it? He scattered it into prostitutes, the Bible says. He scattered and wasted his future on fast cars and faster women. And he did it without even thinking twice. He did it without even an ounce of, of remorse. He did it with even an, out an ounce of regret. And God forbid we ever find ourselves in a place where we scatter all of God's blessings into the, the, the sickening things that this young man scattered them into. What his father gave him was the seed of potential. What his father gave him was the seed of possibilities. Maybe he could have built a business with it. Maybe he could have bought some land with it. Maybe he could have got himself a wife with it. Maybe he could have started a family with it. Maybe he could have made an investment with it. Maybe he could have built up his future with it. But he scattered it on wild living. And it benefited him nothing. There was no return on anything that this young man sowed. Nothing. It ended up being worth nothing. And it happens all the time, church. It happens all the time, even in the household of God, that, that we can find ourselves in a place where everything that we have is now gone. This is where this young man found him. Everything that his father worked for, everything that was given to him was now gone. And it's because he walked in the way of the wicked. It's because the Bible says that he stood in the path of sinners. It's because he sat in the seat of scoffers and everything that he had was gone. You see, you and I need to realize that the first words that came out of David's mouth in the Psalms is, blessed is the man. Blessed is the individual who does not walk in the way of the sinners, who does not stand church in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. This is how you and I will be blessed. This is how you and I will find ourselves in a place of prosperity instead of a place of poverty. It's, it's, it's how we will find ourselves in a place in a palace instead of a pit of poverty like this young son did. He walked in the wrong places. He stood among the wrong people. He sat in all of the wrong seats and he sowed all of the seed unto himself and nothing came of it. I'm going to start to bring this to a close in just a second, but I, I want to give a, a word of biblical advice here concerning how we sow our money into the lives of other individuals like this father could have sown into the life of his son. I want you to understand that this parable teaches us and other scriptures teach us, church, that we are never sow our money onto someone who is yoked to the flesh. We are never to sow our money into a life of rebellion, and we are never to sow our money into a life of sin, because nothing will ever come of it. You and I need to understand, as difficult as this may be for us to hear, and how unloving it might sound, it is biblical that if an individual is yoked to the lust of the flesh... If it's family or if it's not family, we should not sow our money or we should not sow our wealth into their situation because no fruit will ever come from it. No fruit will ever come from it. I don't care how much money you sow into that situation. It will not change. You and I need to understand that this is biblical church. I know so many individuals that have sown into the lives of those that are living in rebellion. I'm not saying those that have come upon hard times. I'm saying those that have chosen to live in rebellion and family has sown their wealth. They've sown their seed. They've sown their own future and they've sown their own sacrifices into that situation. And they themselves end up in a poor house. They themselves find, find themselves in the same exact place that this individual is in. I, I encourage you to sow prayer. 
I encourage you to sow the things of the Spirit. But I also encourage you when you find yourself in a situation like that, do not sow your money into the life of an individual who has attached themselves to sin without a heart of remorse because you're going to find yourself in a difficult place as well. I want you to go ahead and put on the music because I'm going to bring this to a close. I don't know where to close it, but here's where I'm going to start to close it. Verse 14 says, After the son had spent everything, there was a famine in the land, or in that whole country, and the son found himself in need. Your interpretation may say that there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. How many of you know that when you find yourself in need... The last place you want to be is away from the Father. When you find yourself in a place of desperation, you find yourself in a place of need, the last place you want to be is away from the Father. The last place you want to be, the last place you want to be walking is in the way of the sinners. The last place you want to be seated is in the seat of the scoffers. The last place you want to find yourself standing is in the midst of the wicked. When you find yourself in need, the last place that we can afford to be, church, is away from the Father. And it's exactly where this young son found himself. He found himself away from the Father and in need. And the more you think about that, the more you realize that, church, this poor guy found himself in a place of double misery. He found himself not only in a place of need. How many of you know it's a tough place to be in a place of need? It's a tough place to be, maybe in a place of poverty. It's a tough place to be when, when you don't know what to do and you don't know how you're going to survive and you don't know how you're going to get by. It's bad enough to be in that place. But it's even worse to be in that place when you don't have the Father. It's even worse to be in that place when you're in that place alone. And this is exactly where this young son found himself and he began to be in need. And here's what I want you to understand as I close. Listen to what the Bible is really saying here. This young son was given everything that he wanted, but it still wasn't enough. This young son, while he was out living wildly, church, he drank to his fill, but he still found himself thirsty. He, he ate like a glutton, but he still found himself hungry. He yoked himself to the wild women of the world, but somewhere in his life, he still found himself all alone. This young man got everything that he asked for, but he still found himself in need. And the reality is, church, is because there's only one person who can satisfy the thirsty. There's only one person who can fill the hungry with all good things, and it's the father that he walked away from. There's only one person who can offer life and offer it more abundantly, and that's the Father who He walked away from. There's only one person, church, who can meet all of our needs, no matter how desperate they might be according to His riches and glory, and that's the Father. But this son walked away from the Father. The reality is this young man found himself in need because of that very reason, because he walked away from the Father, because he sowed unto himself and not unto his future. He sowed himself into the world, church, without any thought for the consequences. He suffered because he walked away from his only source of blessing. And this is what I want to encourage you with tonight, church, is that this world will try to distract us. This world will try to tell us this thing is more important than this thing. The world will try to tell us like it tried to tell this young son that material gain was more important than a relationship with the father. That you going out and being in control of your own life is the only way to find happiness. To be your own boss is the only way to satisfy your soul. And everything that this world told this young son... All of his wicked acquaintances, all of his buds that told him, oh, you got to get out from under your father's rule. You got to go out. You got to go live it up. You got to get your inheritance and you got to go live for yourself. He found out that it was all a lie. He found out that it was all emptiness. He found out that all the things that the world told him would bring satisfaction brought him nothing but poverty and nothing but emptiness. So whatever the world might be telling you, church, whatever the world might be tempting you, 
concerning the things that it offers you. Never, never, never let it lead you away from the Father. Never let it take you away from His government. Never let it take you away from His authority in your life. Never let the things of this world cause you to forget to acknowledge God in all of your ways so that He can direct your paths into prosperity and into blessing. And I had a difficult time finding out where to close with this so I didn't get too far ahead of myself. But my only request is tonight. I don't know where you are in your lot in life. Maybe there are some areas you can look at and say, God, you know what? I have wandered away from you in this area. Maybe I've wandered away from prayer. Maybe I've wandered away from the word. Maybe I've wandered away from my priorities and obligations to my family. Maybe I've wandered away from the church a little bit. Maybe Whatever. There's some areas in our life that God wants us to examine tonight and say, have you wandered away any bit, my child? Have you wandered away from any of this? Are you still acknowledging me in all of your ways? So the only thing I'm asking tonight as I close in prayer, wherever you might be, whether you're close or whether you're far, you say, God, tonight I'm just going to commit my ways to you. I want you to stand with me. If you're here tonight and you're saying, God, no matter where I am at, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what trouble I might find myself in, no matter what need I might have in life, I'm going to give you my future. I'm going to give you my tomorrow. I'm going to give you everything that I'm going through today so that you can direct my paths and lead me to the place that I need to go. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Father God, that you have a path appointed for every single one of us to walk on. You have a road that you want each and every one of us to travel, Father God, that leads to blessing and leads to prosperity, that leads to your power, that leads to all good things. And Father God, let us never be uh, distracted by the fact or unaware of the fact that the devil's going to come each and every day to try to take us off of that path. He's going to try to get us to walk in our own understanding, walk in our own ways, walk in our own wisdom and walk in our own strength. So I pray, God, tonight, no matter where we might be, if there's some areas in our life, Father God, where we've wandered away, I pray that you would bring us back this evening. God, if there's some areas that we have not acknowledged you, maybe it's in our finances, maybe it's in our marriage, maybe it's in our job, maybe it's in our relationships, maybe it's in our thought life, maybe, maybe there's some area that nobody else knows about, God, but you know that we haven't acknowledged you. We haven't turned it over to you, God. We haven't trusted you with it. I pray, God, that you would forgive us of that, and we yield it to you this evening. Every area of our life, Father God, we give to you. We give our past, we give our present, and we give our future. And I pray, God, that none of us would be like this young son who went and yoked himself to the lust of the flesh and to the lust of the eyes and to the pride of life. But I pray tonight, God, that we would yoke ourselves to you, that we could walk in the path of the righteous that we could walk in the path of the godly, that we could walk in the path of the holy, and that we could walk in the path of blessings. Strengthen us tonight, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you the praise and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord one more time this evening, church? If you have a special need, I'd be happy to tarry with you. Otherwise, make sure you acknowledge the Lord this week and walk in his ways and not your own. Amen.